0: Live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio, CAB Incorporated presents Celebrating Powerhouse Women. Now, here's your host, Amanda Pierch.
1: And hello again, friends, welcome back to another exciting episode of Celebrating Powerhouse Women, the series that salutes and recognizes women who are making an impact. This show is presented by CAB Incorporated. Today, I am joined by the wonderful N. Jerry Boss. She is the public relations director for Waffle House as a whole. I just learned today that Waffle House is in 25 states here in the United States and they have over 2,000 locations um, in total. So we'll speak more about Waffle House and all the great stuff that they have to offer here momentarily. Uh, Before we get started, NJerry, just a quick word from our sponsors. Since 1982, CAB Incorporated has been a distinguished leader in manufacturing and global sourcing, serving a variety of industries including infrastructure, hydraulics, automotive and rail with their precisioned machine and iron steel products. As a woman-owned company, CAB is proud to be the presenting sponsor of this celebrating powerhouse women series. The series is also brought to you in part by McCarthy Building Companies and Cat Rangers. Thank you, and Jerry, for joining us today. Welcome to the show.
0: Well, thank you for having me, Amanda. I'm excited to be able to share some things about myself. <laughs> yes, we're going to
1: dive in. I will touch really quickly just because um, you're here and you're, one, you're sporting your awesome yellow waffle house name tag we all recognize that logo i have sought comfort in a booth at an odd hour of the morning um, after an evening out as many have i'm sure Um, so we'll just give a little overview of waffle house really quickly and then we'll move on to the meat of why you're here sounds good all right so Waffle House restaurants have been offered, they offer an unbelievable, unbelievable combination of food with outstanding service since 1955. The combination has made it a beloved icon in the South for 65 years. Waffle House restaurants provide a unique dining experience where regular customers are greeted by name and enjoy social interactions with their servers and customers. All the food is prepared fresh, cooked to order, and served on a real china in a kitchen that is out front in full view. They're headquartered in Norcross, which I just learned today, right down the street. Um, And Waffle House operates 2,000 restaurants, like we mentioned before, and they're franchise owned. Um, They're open 24 hours a day, 365 a year, and they hold the world's leading server. Of waffles, omelets, and T bone steaks. That is correct. And Jerry, I've never had a steak there. Oh my goodness, you haven't had steak. I have never had a steak and eggs
0: there. That's my favorite, T bone and eggs. I'll have to try it. Maybe we can enjoy it together sometime. Most definitely. It's the cheapest steak going, but the best flavor.
1: Are they cooked like to temp? Like however you want Oh Yes. Okay. Yes, they're cooked to temp. That's right.
0: A little bit of pink in mine. I'll have to do that. But I do want to make one quick correction, Amanda. Actually, what one of the things that makes Waffle House unique Is that while we have nearly 2,000 stores, we are 90% company owned. Wow. And only about 10% franchise. And that that number drops a little each year. Um, But we are excited about the fact that the company runs the stores and that the store, uh, that Waffle House also is employee owned, which means that if you are an employee with Waffle House, you have the opportunity to own a piece of the company you have an opportunity to purchase stock in the company. We're not publicly traded, it is private stock, but um, thats it's a great retirement plan. I'll say. All these wonderful things
1: I didn't know um, about, and I apologize for misspeaking before, that's probably why you're able to maintain such a robust culture within Waffle House, because you are, you run a tight ship, and
0: like you said, the majority of it is corporate. That is correct, okay. and our culture is unique. We were founded back on Labor Day, 1955, at a time that folks might remember was a little difficult, just like it is right now. Mm-hmm. And when um, Joe Rogers Sr. and Tom Faulkner decided to open the first restaurant in uh, the Avondale Estates area, which is just outside of Decatur, downtown Decatur.
1: That was the first one The ever? very
0: first one. When they opened that restaurant, anyone who wished to work in a Waffle House or dine in a Waffle House could. There were no coming through the back door Mm -hmm. um, as there was in some other places, or uh, you can't eat here because of this, that, and the other. Mm -hmm. So we've always prided ourselves on being as inclusive a company as we can possibly be in terms of whether you want to work for us, build a career with us, or dine with us. Um, one of the unique things about a Waffle House is when you walk in, of course, if we know you, we get to know you that first time, we know your name. The second time you come in, generally we might have a coffee waiting for you if that's what you're, what you're into. And then by the third time, sometimes you'll find that they'll even have the meal already on the grill. We know your car, um, we know what you look like. Come in, good morning, your name. Uh, if we don't know you yet, you're just uh, a friend that we haven't made yet. And, of course, you're going to get that hearty good morning. But people from all walks of life can come to Waffle House. You can be sitting next to someone in a Fortune 500 company who's taken the time to do lunch mm-hmm. at Waffle House. And there could be someone who actually is a garbage collector sitting right next to him, And they've had great conversations. People talk about all kinds of things. And that's one of the things that we want to continue to be able to offer to our customers is a place where... People can come and have conversations and agree to disagree, mm-hmm. and still come back the next day and do it all over again. There, you know, no acrimony. It is a waffle home. Oh, waffle
1: home! Yep. I like that. And enjoy some delicious fresh food. Oh yes, you can't
0: forget the cook, fresh food. Pick the order. Fresh off the grill. You can eyeball your food. It's not sitting under a heat lamp. Um, so it does take a couple of minutes to get it cooked, but our great grill operators, from brand new grill operators all the way to our rock stars, they know how to do it, and they can put on a show. So at Waffle they House, can, yeah. it's always a meal and a show. And It's always a memorable experience. That is correct. I want to ask you really quickly
1: because I just learned this before the show, and then we'll get out of Waffle House. Although you do so much there, we could talk about it forever. (laughs) And we'll get into who Jerry is and how she got to where she is today. You were mentioning before the show a million-dollar club. Now, you might need – or excuse me. Did I say that
0: right? A million-dollar? Yes. Actually, uh, we do keep track of our grill operators, hours in terms of the, the, the amount of money they cook every shift goodness gracious and so we keep lifetime sales Uh or cooking and we have several of our rock stars which are the elite of the elite of our grill operators Uh it's the highest level of grill operator we have of course they are tasked with more responsibility and they're paid very well Uh but they uh compete i guess against each other if you will we don't make it a competition friendly competition right right to see in their lifetime how quickly they can get to cooking one million dollars worth, worth of food, food all by themselves wow and so you'll have people checking that and once they r- reach that million dollar level uh-huh. then they get a special million dollar club t-shirt oh well, it's Ooh. a shirt it's uh-huh. a polo it's a really nice polo um, they're one and they of wear, the elite few that's right and if you happen to see kind of like the black card of Waffle House. Ooh. If you happen to see a black-shirted grill operator, then Ooh. you know that they are in the million dollar club. Ooh.
1: Well, I'll have to I'll have to keep a lookout now. We have a Waffle House located just like right across the street from the studio, and one of Mike's favorite things to do is just walk over and get lunch. So we'll have to keep our eyes out and see if there are any black-shirted grill operators.
0: That's correct, and it will say on the back of the shirt Million Dollar Club. club. Yeah.
1: That's very exciting. I know you guys have a wonderful program um, for people that are looking to have a career at Waffle House. Um, the manager and training program is something that we support here at Business Radio X. So if you haven't um, explored opportunities within Waffle House, um, there there might be a role waiting for you with a lot of growth potential. That's right. We're hiring. Mm-hmm. And I just have to tell a really quick joke. I'll never forget when one day when I was young, my dad and I went on a bike ride. And he said, we'll grab some lunch on the way. I said, okay. So where are we going, Dad? He said, it's a surprise. I said, well, give me a hint. He said, well, it's somewhere that the grill is hot 24-7, 365. And I'm like racking my brain. Where can a grill be hot for that long? Oh, a Waffle House
0: because they're open twenty four seven three sixty five. That is right. That's always been kind of a, another unique thing about us. Mm-hmm. Um, during the COVID situation, we had to do some things that we were not used to, meaning closing stores mm-hmm. and opening again in the morning. We weren't used to right. that. Totally people foreign. had to find people had to find the keys because <laughs> the doors never been locked. Right, we don't lock the doors. Uh, so there's been some some shifting and some pivoting that are great. Uh, frontline teams have had to do uh, but they've managed through it all to keep a smile on their face continue to greet customers even when we were restricted to to go only curbside only that connection between our customers and our frontline employees our associates is so strong Um, I recall not that long ago I was talking to a salesperson who had been furloughed and she was just champing at the bit chomping at the bit excuse me to get back to her people Uh her family I mean they've shared so much they even make sure they're there for her birthday they bring her cupcakes she does the same for them Mm -hmm. and so there she told me that she even kept up with a few of her customers during the time that she was on furlough just making sure that they were okay that's sweet Uh, and one person in particular because he was disabled Mm. she was worried about him he also had been recently I do believe diagnosed with uh, a possible terminable illness oh. so she was worried about him and so she would call and check on him that's Sweet, yeah
1: take a personal interest in the client that's and right then they become friends that's right I like it and Jerry well you have such um, a robust history we're gonna dive in if you don't mind to some of the things that you did previous to your role at Waffle House sure all right so let's see you have your Bachelor's in Journalism from the University of Iowa, and also a law degree from California Western School of Law in San Diego. You've been all over the place. (laughs) Let's start back in Iowa. Okay. Tell me about your days in Iowa.
0: Well, before Iowa, there was DeKalb County, Georgia. Mm -hmm. Uh, I graduated from Shamrock High School, which is no longer a high school. I'm kind of sad about that. Uh, But we do have a Facebook group, Keep Together, uh, those of us who graduated Shamrock Dragons. Mm -hmm. Uh, So at the time, it was my junior year, I was getting ready to figure out where I wanted to go to school. I had my mind made up that I did not want to stay in the state of Georgia. I wanted to go away. I wanted to prove to my parents that I could go out there on my own and be successful. So I actually ended up applying to seven different schools. Iowa at the time was not on that list. Uh, But of course It's that situation where your SAT, ACT scores Mm. get sent to different schools, something of that nature. But somehow, the vice president of student affairs, student operations, Phil Hubbard, may he rest in peace, Mm. uh, got my name and called me on a Saturday morning. And I hate to admit, but I was watching cartoons at the (laughs) time.
1: (laughs) No shame in that. No, no Mm -hmm. shame.
0: Uh, He called me and my mother was calling me to the phone. And I'm like, who is it? It's Saturday Saturday morning. morning." And she said, well, somebody from the University of Iowa who wants to talk to you about their school. And I'm like, Iowa, who wants to go to Iowa? They
1: have potatoes in Iowa. Uh,
0: That's Idaho, (laughs) it's corn in Iowa. (laughs) Corn. Uh, Yeah. But uh, so I did get on the phone with him. And short, uh, long story short, he talked to me about something that they had called the opportunity at Iowa. And it's a, pro, a scholarship program um, for people who have, who it's a merit-based scholarship. So, of course, you have to have the grades and you need to be well-rounded. I did a lot of things in school, a lot of things, music. I was in theater, newspaper, a um, lot of um, service or organizations as well. So he offered me the opportunity to come to the University of Iowa 100% Free of wow. charge. Yep. It was a full scholarship. So guess what? The other schools kind of weren't a consideration. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Right? You're going to Iowa. I'm going to Iowa. So I, I went. Uh, it was the summer of 1989. <laughs> I'm going to admit it. I have no shame in no my shame. age. No, no, not at all. 49 and still fine. Mm-hmm. Can I say that on the radio? Absolutely. Okay. And I can attest, she's still fine. Well, thank you very mm-hmm. much. So I went there with my dad. We actually, uh, we flew up there for a kind of a freshman orientation. It was in June or July. I can't remember the month. All I know, it was hot, hot. as all get out. You think it's hot in Georgia. Be in the Midwest you know, in the middle part of the country, if you will, and in the summertime. It's just hot, it was just hot. So we were hot everywhere we went, air conditioning. And I went and and he, you know, we we stayed in the hotel there, the Iowa house. They have a very nice on-site hotel. And I went through the the classes and that kind of thing. He looked up um, a friend of his who was a writer, James McPherson very important writer. Um, He's no longer with us, Mm -hmm. but he got him to be kind of my godfather for while I was there. You know, they got to talk shop, and then I got to get to know him and um, have someone that I knew, a place that I could go off campus that was kind of a safe place, and meet some of his friends. He had friends from all over the world uh, who were also writers or in in that world, but um, the neatest thing that happened there was The Field of Dreams had just come out. Kevin Costner. Yes, I remember. Yes. So we went to go see the movie, you know, The Field of Dreams, which was filmed in Iowa. And we were in Iowa. I mean, how great is that? Not only that, but we saw the movie when we were coming back to the hotel that night. Who should walk out of... Kevin Costner. Oh, no, it wasn't Kevin. It wasn't Kevin. No, it wasn't Kevin. But the writer of the story. Wow. Yes. So, um, J.P. JP Kinsella, Uh he, I don't know why he was there, but he was there, and we said, we just saw your movie, Mm -hmm. and he said, well, what did you think of it? Definitely, if they build it, they will come, come. but it, you know, that's kind of how my introduction to Iowa Iowa went, and I had a fabulous career at the University of Iowa. I did major in journalism. I minored in Spanish, and I'm sorry to say that I just can't speak it anymore. Practicar mucho. Si. Necesito practicar <laughs> la lengua. La lengua. Yeah, <laughs> si. That's about all I remember. Mm. Um, but uh, that's been a goal of mine, too, uh, is to get back into Spanish. But I did get an opportunity to travel to different uh, states mm-hmm. um, as well as different uh, to, the, to Germany, a Department of Defense School in Germany, because I, at the time, worked with my work study mentor Working alongside with her with the Iowa High School Press Association. Mm-hmm. And we worked with that program and we actually came up with designed, developed and wrote co-wrote a multicultural guide, if you will, to hiring, retaining, training minority journalists. And so we got to take the show on the road, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. So I got a chance to do that. So many unique things. I I actually...
1: Did you coin that program or do you still have access to it? That sounds like a very unique um, creation.
0: Well, I actually went online to see where it is it's in the Iowa it's in the archives Mm -hmm. and it also has been I do believe the Library of Congress has a copy of it
1: wow yes
0: so pretty neat thing there so I went and I actually recently just downloaded it to try and find out more information Did they still have it that kind of thing but that was really neat Um, I had always as a little girl one either I was gonna be a teacher because I love pulling all my stuffed animals we had a um, we had a um, a high bed a bunk bed, mm-hmm. and so we would pull out the lower bed, and that left the high part. So we made believe that that was a cathedral, and we always had Princess Leia and Luke Skywalker getting married. Uh-huh. We didn't know at the time that they were brother and sister, <laughs> but you know we had these huge weddings where we right. have every stuffed animal that in you attendance. can imagine in attendance. Yeah. That's right, Barbie came from her Ken? dream house. Ken yes, too? Ken came and Skipper. Mm-hmm can yes. Skipper. Can't forget Skipper. So I had, I did have that townhouse. But I thought that I wanted to be a teacher. And I also would do um, lesson plans. So they would all come to school after the <laughs> wedding. That's great. Uh, so that was neat. But then that kind of changed. I started thinking I was going to be discovered, be the next, I don't know. I don't remember who it was at the time. But I wanted to be an actress. Ah. And I remember at the University of Iowa, at that orientation, I sat down with my dad inside one of the residence halls, you know, just taking a break. And he said, what do you think you wanna do? You know, what kind of career do you think we wanna be into? And I said, well, I really would like to be on stage. And he said, well, you know, that's great. You need to go out there and do it, follow your dream. And if for some reason it doesn't work out, you could always come back home to Georgia and live with me and your mom. I immediately went into journalism. (laughs) My mother was an English teacher Mm -hmm. who became an administrator in one of the DeKalb County schools. Uh, My father actually had a very unique career with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I grew up, I was an AJC baby, Mm -hmm. Uh, Chet Fuller. He actually started as a sports writer, and he uh, retired as an assistant managing editor. Twenty-something years of my life. Uh, So that was one of the reasons that immediately journalism came to mind. Between the two of them, the word, the mighty word, was very important in our house, Mm -hmm. and I decided to pursue a career in journalism. I'm Uh, sure
1: your parents were proud.
0: They were proud, although my mom said, what? What? What happened?
1: Because <laughs> she could see you on stage She could too. see me on yes. stage.
0: I mean, um, so yeah, I chickened out of of going into uh, theater as it had been my passion. But I did manage to do one production on stage at the University of Iowa. Mm-hmm. I was part of. I was the um, for colored Girls. We did that, and I was the lady in blue. Ooh. yeah. So, so that, you had
1: your debut. I had my
0: stage. debut on stage. Mm-hmm. The only other thing that I said that I wanted to do at the time, now remember, I'm a freshman, don't right. know much about the school. I'm not sure academically what things are gonna be what, but I saw a picture in the library of an African-American woman who was named the homecoming queen, and it was like 50 years prior to the, I had having come onto the campus, and she had been the only one at the time. Mm-hmm. And I told my father, I'm going to be homecoming, homecoming queen. queen. Mm-hmm. That was another goal. And do you know it came true? <gasps> it was another thing that happened. How uh, exciting. It was very exciting for me. You know, it was the whole thing of there your was... Your
1: freshman a, year? No, not my freshman okay. year.
0: It was my senior year. Senior year? You so know, went out with a bang. And went out with a bang, mm-hmm. but... Uh, Is we your ha-
1: picture on the wall next to hers now?
0: Do they have all the homecoming queens? I don't know. <gasps> I haven't been back in the library to see... Mm-hmm. Um, but it was an exciting thing, exciting time. There was an interview process, very long interview process. I remember wearing my Power Red suit and having my hair done and makeup and looking lipstick, good. Yeah. And I was determined. I used to love doing interviews um, because it people were always surprised, I guess, that I didn't seem to be nervous. Yeah,
1: you're very confident. Um,
0: so I had a, I had a wonderful time, and I will never forget that. There were a lot of other things, very memorable things, lots of memorable people along the way who helped me um, be successful. Venice Berry is one. She is a professor in the School of Journalism. She also is a published writer, um, and um, many of my sorority sisters as well.
1: Do you still keep in touch with um, any of your classmates from your time in Iowa?
0: Unfortunately not. I keep looking, yeah, I keep looking in the, when the alumni magazine comes Mm -hmm. out, I always flip to the back first to see if any of them are listed so I can get a current Mm -hmm. address or something. Something, yeah. But I've never seen their names. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do keep in touch with one person. She was my line sister. Mm -hmm. Uh, We both pledged Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated and, um, we've stayed in touch over the years she actually lives here in Georgia she was from Detroit and she moved back here before I did Uh and so there were only two of us on that line so she was the captain and I was the anchor Um, it was fun it was a lot of fun so we try to make sure that uh, we reach out to uh, each other on birthdays and on our anniversary of crossing over into the Uh to the chapter uh, to the sorority so
1: yeah Back, um, I remember when I worked in hotels, we would have events for sororities that would get together thereafter. They weren't in college because they weren't young ladies. They are kind of like our age, but I imagine it was a reunion of sorts. Do they ever organize anything like that for the sorority?
0: Yes. As a matter of fact, a unique uh, thing about the University of Iowa, the Delta Sigma Theta chapter uh, is called the Delta Chapter. They were the the fourth chapter of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated to go on a college campus Ah. so even at a time when we didn't have much inclusivity at major universities Mm -hmm. and the reason why we had to have historically black universities and colleges um, the University of Iowa was out there paving the way and so I'm I'm always proud to when I go to a chapter meeting um, unfortunately this last year and a half i haven't been able to be active and then of course COVID hit right um but whenever i get an opportunity to stand up and and share if i'm visiting another chapter mm-hmm. i always proudly say uh, that i pledged delta chapter mm-hmm. at the university of yeah, iowa. iowa and everybody just kind of looks <gasps> uh-huh. like wow trendsetter yeah uh-huh. yeah then I say so what was it like going to school amongst the corn? I said, that's, that's Iowa <laughs> that State. <laughs> that's Iowa State in Ames, uh-huh. the University of Iowa. No corn right in the near vicinity. It actually is a college town. Uh, I would probably say similar to the University of Georgia yes, in that yeah, respect. Um, mm-hmm. But the, the people there embrace Hawkeyes. Mm-hmm. They love the Hawkeyes. They come out for the football games. I mean, they are avid tailgaters. Every, every sport, mm-hmm. they're there. So, um Sounds like you had some fun. I had some fun. I did.
1: Now, I do just want to interject really quickly if you don't mind me sharing no about about your son cuz you when you said this to me, it kind of just looped together when you were sharing about your journey to Iowa and when you got the call mm-hmm. and you're like I'm going and your mom was <gasps> I think you recently experienced something similar with uh, your 17-year-old yes, yes. son yes. sending him away. So can you see the parallel?
0: I can. I, You know, has, I didn't think about that until you just said that, but he... Um, he you has know, your
1: same ambition.
0: Well, I hope so, uh-huh. <laughs> but he's he's a lot like his dad, too, so he, he comes by it honestly. He made the decision. We had actually thought, because he's only 17... Now, mind you, I went to uh, school... Uh, University of Iowa when I was 17 I turned 18 my freshman Mm -hmm. year and so he is a late baby all kinds of stories behind that as to why he is why he graduated but he did he graduated from high school here in actually in Rockdale County and he was 17 in October so he won't be 18 until this October
1: so he's a young a he's youngster a young youngster.
0: yeah a youngster so we were thinking hey what about a gap year where you kind of work a little bit yeah. and you know get ready to take the tests mm-hmm. that you need to take you decide exactly kind of what you want to get into and that was the plan until he came up with his plan mm-hmm. and his plan was to move to the state of washington where his brother and sister-in-law live they had a house that was near a school there in the city of Port Angeles, Washington. And he was planning to attend, he already had it all planned, Peninsula College. He's interested in um, construction management and welding. He's always been somebody who's interested in working with his hands. Academically gifted, but academically lazy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it was a little tough um, thinking, oh my gosh, he's so young. And Gosh, we had to pull, push that boulder uphill to get him finished with high school. And he wants to move across the country. Um, he wants to fly. He wanted to fly. Gotcha. And that was the thing my husband had to remind me. You know, hey, it's, it's his time to kind of figure it out, figure out what he wants to do. I said, well, yep, then we'll support him. So in May, I put him on an airplane uh, out of Atlanta, Hartsville and it was only the second plane ride he'd ever had in his life and only it was the first one by himself so of course i had a video of the plane backing up from the gate and when the tail passed by the gate and i could no longer see it anymore i mean it was it was heartbreaking right i mean a flood of emotions yes (laughs) yes and it was weird because and i'll share this with you um When he was in preschool, they had a little promotional exercise where they made little mortarboard caps and they had little capes on. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting there and all of a sudden my face is wet. And I'm like, am I crying? This is preschool for (laughs) crying out loud. You know, my husband's sitting over there looking at me like, what's wrong with you? Uh But it's just something, each one of those little milestones, I'm choking up a little bit. Each one of those little milestones has meant so So much much to us because they... You know, going through parenting, mm-hmm. it's it can be, it's a roller coaster. We always say that, you know, parenting is not for the weak at heart. Mm. You have to be strong. You have to be prepared. Um, be resilient. To, be resilient. And remember that while you want to be their friend, you're their parent mm-hmm. first. Um, so I think back on now, looking at the photos and the photo books and, and things. Who is that independent from? day one. <laughs> oh, from day one yeah I recognize it now uh-huh. um, but he always wanted to do his own thing he was always very strong-willed mm-hmm. stubborn if you will um, but a lot of that has been in good stead for him mm-hmm. and we think that that will carry him through Yes,
1: um, I think it's exciting and it takes courage I know at 17 you know we're all Undecided. How can you decide what you're going to do for the rest of your life, let right. alone for four years in college? Um, but the fact that he was willing to take the leap, mm-hmm. and the fact that you were supportive, uh, I think he'll do very well.
0: Well, we're hoping so, mm-hmm. and uh, we're excited about the new chapter in his life and the opportunities. Um, because there was a there was a time there, and I think it happens in a lot of young people's lives where where they're like you said, are unsure. I think it's kind of a myth to believe that every child knows what they want to do when they grow up. Um, A lot of them don't, and my son happened to be one of those who kind of liked a lot of things and was good at a lot of things, but one of the things he didn't like was doing busy work, homework, and that kind of thing. So that was kind of a drag for him the older he got, Um, but I, I am surprised to report, and pleased, that we just spoke to him this weekend and he is doing great his grades are good he decided to take two classes this summer to kind of get acclimated um to the uni- to the college mm-hmm. and um it's online of course but he's doing great good. and it was and just just supportive yes brother his, his brother is there uh-huh. and his sister-in-law and they're they're just taking such great care of him and he just sounded happy mm-hmm and, um, and that's, all you can yeah, ask for. that's all you can ask for so we just keep hoping
1: so now you have no children in the house no
0: nope, no children oh, at, well, is it
1: quiet is it different
0: it's very is it different exciting
1: is it it's all of those <laughs> things
0: it's all of those things we have a fur baby uh-huh. uh who's not quite me? yeah he's yeah. a terrier mix we don't know what he's mixed with What's his but name? his name is scout scout yes terriers are diggers aren't they Does yeah well that he's not a digger because no he's he's got all he's mixed i think with um uh, amstaff which is like kind of like the pit pit Uh bull and uh, some type of bird dog and a labrador and something else so he's just he's got these huge ears i don't know if you've ever seen the ears of a great dane before people yeah yeah but (laughs) his stand up straight so they're like radars yeah they're like radar and they're constantly rotating Uh when we took him at, at eight, nine weeks when we got him to the vet for the first time, make sure he was okay and get shots and all that kind of stuff. The first thing she said, look at his ears. <laughs> and every time he goes back, she always asks, has he grown into his ears yet?
1: Nope. No. I <laughs> so bet that's cute. Though. It is. He's awesome.
0: a cute little thing and um, lots of energy. So we have that going on. But yeah, my husband and I are rediscovering what it's like to be just a twosome mm-hmm. um, you know even though our son is out there right. but it's been 17 years mm-hmm. since we just had just the two of us right. and now, a dog like,
1: when you cook dinner you know you're reducing like what you cook it takes a while to get it, back in it does to the it, mind frame that it's just you guys
0: it is and i i'm blessed to have a husband who loves to cook Ooh. and he loves to cook unique things mm-hmm. and so i had to keep reminding honey we don't need as many groceries Um, It's just us. It's just us, and you don't have to make the big, you know, nine by eleven, whatever. You can make make the smaller (laughs) one, you know, or we can freeze half of Mm -hmm. it, that kind of thing. So it's 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 some adjustment there.
1: That's exciting. Yeah. Well, um. I'll rewind really quickly because I don't want to leave out the, um, your your law degree or that time in your life okay. because that's exciting too. But then I want to jump back into family. Okay. Um, take us back to when you were in San Diego. So you went from Iowa. What did you in between? Did you leap from Iowa then straight into your your law nope. degree, or what nope. came in between leading up to?
0: I went into journalism because I wanted to be able to give people a voice, and I trained for both print and broadcast. And in the end, print won out because I had more space, more time to tell the story. Mm-hmm. So I actually left the University of Iowa, had an externship at USA Today, and I was working on in the features department, so I got to meet some unique people. I met um, Krista McAuliffe's mother oh. on one of the anniversaries. Her book had just come out about her daughter, and I remember watching The Challenger. Mm-hmm. We were in our room just rooting her right. on, and then all of a sudden it— It was not right there were it was just we were just glued to the TV Mm -hmm. so to meet her was was really really unique and to get her perspective on what her daughter was thinking and wanted to do and share with other with her students and particularly women um, getting into science that kind of thing I got to interview um, Joe Lewis's grandson who also had uh, a book coming out at the time so I got to do some really unique things and I was really excited about a career in journalism I left there and went for my first real, if you will. Oh, and I, you know, first real by myself kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Florida Today in Melbourne, Florida. So that was my very first move into an apartment by myself. Parents came down to kind of help. And the first thing they said, of course, it was in the summer God, it's hot. You <laughs> keep living in all these hot places. I know, I know. But um, I was the uh, crimes reporter. So I, and the city of Cocoa. So I covered, um, covered all the crime, get called out in the middle of the night. I also had to cover the space launches. So I'd be up at O Dark 30, for whatever, yeah. to be there for the launches and cover those. And there's a unique animal, um, kinda in that Florida area called a manatee, which is Wait, like a- in the water? In the water. Yeah. It's like, like a- Like dolphin kind of yeah. whale looking? Well, well it's more like a seal. Um, but they're sea cows, really, is what they are, (laughs) and uh, the manatee, and so, you know, they're very, very revered down there, because they are so few, and, you know, when, what do you do when you're in Florida, and there's water, there's a lot of boaters, there's a lot of jet skiers, there's a lot of, you know, all of that going on, and sometimes they would get um, they would get hurt. Oh, no. Uh, it, unintentionally. Right. Um, because they, they, they also like people. uh uh-huh. Um So we, we had, you know, whenever a manatee washed up on shore... It was my solemn duty to report Oh no. well, to did, report on the manatee death
1: <laughs> oh so it was dead when you're reporting yeah. i thought you were going to tell me this life-saving story no, oh, no no yeah so
0: so that was one unique thing about mm. about that newspaper um but yeah i covered the city of coco the city council i you know and the police uh at the time in melbourne and you know i'd be out in the middle of the night called out there being you know something happened a shooting or a bad accident and i'd have to go out there um, and I was just,
1: so you'd literally get a call, like kind of like a, a doctor in, yep. the, in the middle of the night and you just roll out of bed.
0: Right. And get ready get to go. go. Wow. Get ready to go. Uh, and so one of the other unique things that I was working a shift I had never worked before is something called a swing shift. Ooh. So I went in at 3 PM and got off at like 11, 1130. Mm-hmm. And that was different because all my friends were working the day shift and you know so i slept during the day, day yeah <laughs> so i got a dog <laughs> i got a beagle i rescued a beagle out of a pet shop and that um, was your buddy yeah yeah she she was we had her for for 13 years uh, she before. led a good life yes yeah, she did she uh-huh. did but she kept me company this is what would happen mm-hmm. i would go to work and she would apparently bark <laughs> And I got a note one day that said, you know, the dog has been barking and you, you need to take care of this or we're going to have to ask you to, to move from these apartments. So I sat down with her and I said, Cookie, look, this is the deal. You got to zip it. You got, you got to control it because we won't have a place to stay. And... It's weird. But after that, she didn't bark during the day. She understood you. Yeah. And so I would come home at night, and I'd get um, a little water or something, and we'd get on the couch together, and we would watch Midnight Love videos. (laughs) She was your companion. She really was. And then we go to bed, and we do it all over again. So it was was a a unique time, Mm -hmm. um, maturing time for me. And there is where you then- Well, from there- From there, I went to Savannah Uh and I was uh, the Savannah News Press. I was the courts reporter for them. So, this is where the law thing came in. Uh And what I found was I would be at the courthouse hours and hours into the night sometimes, and I got to see a lot of the local talent, if you will, the attorneys, and some were my goodness, so good. They'd wrapped up, wrap up the, the defendant in the in the American flag. And before <laughs> you knew it, you were like, gosh, he's, no, there's no way he could have committed it. that yeah. crime. Um, and then you had some wonderful prosecutors who just, you know, put it on the line and that kind of thing. And then there were some really bad attorneys. And I kept thinking, good gracious, if they're out there making a living doing this, and they're not that good, I know I can be So much much better. better. (laughs) So I decided to go to law school. And while I was working, so I didn't have time to take a class or anything, so I studied on my own um, for the LSAT, took the LSAT. I guess I scored well. I applied. I I knew at the time I was getting married, Mm -hmm. and my husband, who at the time was a sheriff's deputy, had applied to become a federal agent. So he was going to do that, and I knew that we were going to be on the uh, West Coast somewhere in the California area, either LA or San Diego. So I applied to schools there. And California Western School of Law in San Diego, California, gave me a full scholarship.
1: Wow, look at you. So,
0: I mean, it was it was tremendous. So was I baited. worked, let me tell you, I worked so hard there. Um, my husband supported us with his job because I was school full time. And I wanted to try and ease the burden for him a little. To, so I wanted to try and graduate sooner really? than three years so i managed to do that um i completed i think it was a little over two years and yeah but in i had to two years, and yeah just you. a little over two years and so so i finished in december but i couldn't march and receive my degree until um the the june the may june time frame for
1: graduation yeah for graduation
0: yeah. so and and um i did that it took the bar it was you know california is one of the tougher bars in the country passed on the first try and that was kind of how I got started it was it was you're a rock star well let's just recap really quickly (laughs) for the audience she got a full
1: scholarship to the school in Iowa she then just discovered her her new path of law through working as a journalist (laughs) and then she got a full scholarship, well-earned and well-deserved, to the school in San Diego. So I think that deserves a round of applause. Thank you. Thank
0: you very much. And I, of course, had people along the way who were very instrumental in my success. Um, And I'm a strong woman of faith. Mm -hmm. And I, looking back, I can see the hands of God on me. I mean, just working through and, and bringing me through. So that's been Something that's kept, you know, my true north is always making sure that I stay in a relationship with him. Absolutely. Uh, And as long as that relationship is right, then everything else is right in the world.
1: I'd even say he kind of guided you um, because in your, you know, in between before you went to law school, when you're able to discover your passion and strength for law, Mm -hmm. you know, he was right there guiding you the whole way. Exactly.
0: I mean, and there's more. There's even more. So we ended up moving. We stayed two years, and um, my husband got a transfer to Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, which is... It's cold in Michigan. <laughs> it's cold. At least so it's I cold went from Yes, yes, yes. It, so I went from, it's hot, to it's cold. Um, but Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan is on the Canadian border. So, you know, we went from, he went from working down in the southern area to the northern border area, and uh, it was really great because we were pregnant with Nathan at the time. We were expecting him and we wanted to make sure that we were gonna be close enough for family to be able to visit and do the right. travel back and forth. And I was not looking forward to flying an infant back mm-hmm. and forth on a plane. So it worked out for us, but Sault Ste. Marie's, kind of a small town and they really didn't need another quote unquote uh, big time attorney. So, what well, type of
1: law were you practicing? Well,
0: at the time in San Diego, I was an employment attorney uh, for a regional firm, and we were on the employer side, so I did a lot of things with handbooks, and I also did some litigation work and some arbitration work. Of course, this was a traditional law, form, law firm, so I was an associate, which meant that I did a lot of the work, the and work. then then you hand it to the partner who then... Takes got it the it. rest yeah. of the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I got a lot of really great experience there. So when I went to Iowa, there really wasn't a huge need for an employer side attorney uh, in, in, in employment law. So I re- rebranded myself, if you will. Had to figure it out. But first, it came. I was able to spend a year, the first year of Nathan's life with him at home. We found a wonderful woman who was willing to come into our home and take care of him. Uh, and she actually was his nana his nana for 10 years wonderful woman met her in church Wow! and uh, so i was able to get back to work and i actually became a i was went into as a sole practitioner opened up my own office but not as a private attorney i was a contract attorney so i worked um, through contract with the state court the local court And I also had contracts with the two Native American courts that were there in the area. And I actually, um, the work I did involved child abuse, child neglect, Mm. juvenile delinquency, mental incapacity, uh, do not resuscitate orders, Mm. developmentally disabled persons needing conservators and guardians. So that was kind of the thing. In all three courts, I did do some misdemeanor criminal work. Well, they would start as felonies, and it was my job to kind of, try and see if there's yeah see if we can work (laughs) something out uh and those were on the tribal lands because you know if it's a felony on tribal land then it would actually go to an actual you know a state court wow yeah so we uh, you know those of us in that area there were three of us on these contracts and so i would either any one of us at any given time would be assigned to either represent a parent um mother father or the child or children Yeah. yeah Yeah, I thought
1: that was difficult. Some of the it re- situations it really that you was, and
0: I found myself, you know, coming home and grabbing your baby tight. Yeah, yes. yeah, and 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 making sure that I was extra nice to my spouse and those kinds of things. Um, and after about nine and a half years, I I was a little burnt out. Mm-hmm.
1: It gets you kind of lose the luster because you see so many ugly things in life, or you you've been forced to see so many different situations that you kind of have a skewed view on, uh, what's good and the light. Well, not just that,
0: Amanda, it's what happened. Well, what frustrated me the most is that in these abuse and neglect cases, for instance, parents had to complete a, uh, parenting agreement. Mm -hmm. There were certain steps that they had to take certain things that they had to do to be reunited with their children, because the whole, these whole, all of these cases started as we want to reunite this family. Very rarely did the case start off, we need to terminate parental rights. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I found myself wanting the reunification more than the parents, when they were, you know, slowing around and doing the things that they needed to do, I'm like, your children are not in your home. Right. How can you not get this done? Don't you want them to come back? You know, and they'd say yes and do all of that. But I, it just got harder and harder when children had to be separated from their parents for long periods of time because their parents just weren't mature enough uh, either or did not have the parenting skills because right. they were parented poorly themselves to be able to quickly get their family back together. So um, I, I actually asked God. I prayed. I did and asked if i could be released from this work Mm. and my husband actually uh, decided that he wanted me and our son to move closer to family Mm -hmm. and of course i wanted to be close to my family Uh and he agreed so he still had a little bit of time left on his job so he sent us ahead back to Georgia it had been you know 20 years since I've been in Georgia somewhere full circle full circle back and I spent uh, the first couple years really trying to make sure that our son was uh, the transition was good for him so I was at the school almost every day Mm -hmm. you know I was that parent Mm -hmm. who wanted to know what was going on if there was a problem I would volunteer with the the little band there in middle school and do all those kinds of things, be on the PTA, try mm-hmm. to work, you know, sell stuff, whatever I could Fundraising, do. Fundraising. Fundraising. Yeah. I actually um, he was involved in Cub Scouts at the mm-hmm. time, so I became I a started with, mama. I did, <laughs> but not just that, I became one of the leaders. Leader. I actually did the work to become a Weeblos, which is the last group of Cub Scouting before you bridge over to into Boy bridge okay. over into Boy, boy Scouting. And, then eagle. Got it. You're right. and in Boy Scouting you have the opportunity to work to earn your eagle. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what I was doing. So it was really unique and a fun time. And then, um, the reality struck. We had two households. (laughs) (laughs) We need to support these two households. Right, right. We had, we had purchased the house down here. My husband was living in an apartment up there, uh, traveling back and forth And we just, we got to, you know, he said, look, honey, I love you. I I love you dearly, but um, I need you to kind of get back out there. Ease on into it. Yeah, ease on into it. I actually had started my own business and was doing, like many women, um, was lured by the idea of being able to have that flexibility. Mm -hmm. And you know what? It worked wonders for a lot of women. I worked really hard. I put lots of miles on my vehicle. I was driving at night. I was driving during the day. I was, you know, having all these kinds of appointments. And at the end of the day, I actually found out I was spending a little more money than I was making. bringing in. <laughs> yeah. And I loved what I was doing, mm-hmm. but I made From the decision the shift. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I made the decision that I needed, you know, I needed to find something. Mm-hmm. So, I my mother and I and my family had been going to a gym that was next to a Waffle House. And we would after we worked out, need to go get our protein. Hey so we would Sounds go like a good plan to me <laughs> so we would go and get uh they had these sausage egg cheese uh, grit this, bowls oh. big grit bowls that's what we would get and we'd sit in there and at this particular waffle house there was a grill operator who was just larger than life he had the biggest personality and he got to know us and know what and we remembered wanted your name yeah knew <laughs> our names and and all of that and the people there were so friendly the servers who were there and I would ask them questions and ask them, you know, what is was this the only job they had? And one woman actually had was running her own business while working at Waffle House, and I just kept asking questions because I was starting to think, well, maybe, you know, maybe I could join Waffle House, uh, be an hourly associate, get a few hours, get some benefits, right. until I could figure some things out. Because moving back, having been away for two decades. Really made it more difficult for the job search.
1: Got to um, find your footing again in yeah, the market.
0: Yeah, and not just that. And um, you know, it, everything. People like knowing you, or knowing someone who knows you. Right. And so it was really difficult. I had applied a lot of places, and I was willing. Said, look, I don't need to be the top dog here. I'm willing to take my skills and make you look door. good. <laughs> yeah. Just, just, just let me have an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And none of those opportunities really. Came to fruition. Um, I I got one interview, and uh, it was with the city of Conyers, but they were afraid to hire me because of my resume. They said because I was, was so outstanding. Over, <laughs> I said I was overqualified for the job, and I was. You know, I kept telling, "Look, this is the reality for me. I'm I'm looking to find something long term. I'm not looking to find a stepping stone. I really want to do something uh, in my community, and so." Back to the Waffle House thing, I decided to apply to be a server. And I did apply. And that same day that I applied, I got a phone call from one of the recruiting directors who asked me, Did you know about our management training program? And I'm like, What management training program? And she said, Well, we have a poster on one of our windows. I said, Look, I don't pay attention. I don't look at that. So she's just like, With your resume and your background, you would be great uh-huh. as a manager. Have you ever... Con- so I said, well, look, she said, go ahead and change your application, put it in on the management side so that we can try and get you in the manager trainee program. And long story short, I ended up doing that. Uh-huh. Uh, I ended up... I was training at one particular Waffle House in the Conyers area. And actually, when I completed, graduated from Waffle House University. university. Yes, uh-huh. we have a university. Um, How
1: long did that take
0: you? To complete... It was. Uh-huh. It was about... 10 weeks 12 weeks somewhere like that okay and i ended up being awarded the store where i trained mm-hmm. so the people i had been working alongside as a trainee now were my associates mm-hmm. and they were my team and i had to convince them that i knew what i was doing even though some of them had been there for 30 years right that's a difficult position <laughs> it to was, be in, yeah. but let me tell you if you can if you can run a waffle house you can run anything uh, the biggest key to waffle house is the people mm-hmm. what makes us unique are the people. It's all about the customer experience, whether you're the manager, whether you are an hourly employee, whether you are senior management. You know, our senior managers don't have offices. Their car is their office or the airplane because they travel throughout their market every day and work side by side with their associates with the hourlies with the managers to see how things are doing um, see if they need anything coach up the manager in that particular unit give them some more pointers kind of mentor them that's what they do and even our ceo walt aimer he does the same thing he does have an office at in our corporate office we all live in a big cube farm it's really pretty neat Um, but he travels three or four days out of the week To different locations locations across the country. You know, we're in 25 states, so he tries to make uh, his his rounds. rounds. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was something that really inspired me. I really enjoyed working with the people and encouraging them whatever way that I could encourage them, whether they were going to stay in the same position, whether they wanted to move up and and do something else, take on more responsibility, become a leader, um, whatever it was. I just loved that aspect of it. And so I did that for about two and a half years, and then I became a district manager. So then I was responsible for three Waffle Houses Ooh. and three unit managers, trying to encourage and all them the teams. and all their teams. Mm-hmm. Right. And my job was to encourage the unit managers so that they could be successful in terms of building their teams and, and building strong teams that would be together. Because and retaining.
1: Of, yeah, retaining team.
0: our people. Because the biggest thing about Waffle House, people come to Waffle House, they come in a lot of times, they come on the same days, they sit at the same spot,
1: they, they, order, the same they order the
0: same thing. They have sometimes the same conversations, and they're looking for that particular server or grill operator to be there. Mm -hmm. And it's that sameness, that, that consistency that many of them crave, knowing that even if there's chaos in their life at home or at work or whatever, when they come to the Waffle House... They don't have to think about that. It's Waffle Home. It's Waffle Home, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and so that was a, a neat thing and got to know. I got to know my customers well and then worked with those three managers to try and help them be successful right. and climb the ranks because the thing about Waffle House is it is homegrown leadership. You can't come from any other business having had you know, 10, 12 years of managerial experience. You're going to start just like I did. In the manager yeah it is Uh it's manager trainee program we want you to know every aspect of the business as you move up from start to finish that's right Mm -hmm. you got to be able to do it all literally literally you might have to
1: jump in and and do it all
0: yeah well our managers are grill operators that's one of the things they have to do is they have to learn how to cook waffle house way Mm -hmm. and uh so it's it's a lot of things all at once it's people management it is also production management Mm -hmm customer relations
1: uh and then there's engagement yeah exactly team morale
0: that's right and then there's the the business side of keeping track of your your bottom line Mm -hmm. you know you learn all of that which you know you hear about people wanting to go out and do their own business which i did not a not a restaurant business Mm -hmm. but this was an adventure and a learning experience in itself in itself on someone else's dime when you think about it You know, I'm running a business, and that's what we encourage our unit managers to think of themselves as small business owners. It says Waffle House on the door, but the atmosphere in that store is that managers and how they lead because it's all about servant leadership. Uh, we again, our unit managers have tiny, tiny offices in the back room because it's intended that they don't stay back there. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to be out front, with working the side exactly, yeah. working side by side. So that's what we do at Waffle House, and it's it's a it's so many things that are unique about it. That culture of willingness to help, servant leadership. Um, when there's an issue, you know, our our senior managers are right there. They figure out the issues, they work with folks, mm-hmm. and find a solution.
1: I like you've mentioned culture several times and we've kind of circled around it, but I can just see by the way that, you know, we're speaking and I can only imagine how you lead your teams in person and how you're able to cascade that enthusiasm and that leadership or the servant leadership, as you mentioned, down to your managers who then carry it on to the team. So I can see why they selected you um, for the role and how important it is, like you said, to be shoulder to shoulder in the trenches or in that's the right. galley, if that's what it is. Yeah, in a galley kitchen. There you um, go. With your team to mm-hmm. show them that, you know, you're right there with them. Like you said, you're not just sitting in the office. Anyone's fluffing their, their feathers or, or filing their nails. You're out there. You're sweating. That's you're right. You're pulling eggs. You're doing that's right. Because you you're know cleaning what toilets. it's like. You're yes. cleaning
0: toilets if, mm-hmm. if need be. You're, you're mopping the floor if need be. If that needs to be done, somebody can't get to it, you're going to do it mm-hmm. as the manager. Because you got to have pride in where you work. Yes, pride of ownership. And um, it's, a, it's man, I can't even say so it all. Would you
1: recommend um, for a, a young professional or anybody in life that's kind of undecided and they were looking for a practical direction to, to kind of go in that would afford them um, a decent way of life and some future possibilities, would you recommend the Waffle House manager Most definitely,
0: department? but I wouldn't exclude folks who are decided about their careers because I was decided about my mm-hmm. career and had never considered Waffle House. But there's so much more to it than you see when you're sitting in the restaurant and, and dining in or getting your food to go. All of that commitment has to be there and we what you don't know we teach you we train you you don't have to worry about being a good cook because mm-hmm. we want you not to have any bad habits to begin with you know we you want, want you to do it all the, way. the waffle house mm-hmm. way everything the waffle house way and so it is a unique career we want people we look for people and want people who are looking for a career mm-hmm. not just a job because right. at waffle house it pays to stay the longer oh, you okay. stay The more, the more, yeah, (laughs) not just your compensation, but the opportunities for retirement, being able to purchase stock, being able to be a true owner of a business, to be able to move up the ranks. It takes time because it's homegrown leadership. We just don't have you move up the rank, okay, here six months, here six months at the next level, six months. No, we, we want to make sure that you're comfortable and you're successful because it's going to take that confidence to Great. be able to, to bring you through the next level, to make the next leap. All the way up to executive vice president of the company, where you're responsible for some two to three hundred or four hundred stores. Wow. Um, so you really got to, you know, bring your A game, bring your A game. And if you really are looking for a career, you know, right now with the covid response and everything that we're going through we've heard a lot on the news about the restaurant industry Mm -hmm. and yes the restaurant industry was was pretty much decimated we were too we were hit pretty hard something we've never experienced before but we're still here a lot of our competitors are not in other places Um, and that's due to the the business plan the culture the business plan that was put in place by joe rogers jr who is the chair of our chairman of our company Mm -hmm. he back in the the 70s and 80s lived through the gas crisis and inflation and all of that he created a business plan that could whittle down the number of units down to a certain number where we could operate debt free and still have a business to then re you know reopen And rather than starting from scratch, from nothing again, we would start from whatever that number was and be able to rebuild very quickly and bring all of our people back, which is what we ended up doing.
1: Um, so he had kind of like a, a crisis plan for lack of better term. He did. Terms. He
0: did, and it was it was a, a bit of an austerity plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were some painful decisions we had to make, and some of those things he could he could never foresee. He was looking at a uh, you know uh, these other kinds of disasters that he'd lived through. He hadn't lived through a pandemic no, yeah. like this. Mm-hmm. And so there was a lot that we learned on the ground. It was constant communication between the folks out in the field, our senior management, our managers, our hourlies, to find out what was going on in those different communities and the corporate office who then coordinated the, all- the decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and tried to figure out and make sure we were making the best possible decisions and mm-hmm. giving that information to the ones who would then run with it in the field, mm-hmm. in the restaurants, mm-hmm. and make it happen.
1: And still survive. And
0: still survive, yeah. I mean, there was a time when when things did not look good at all. I mean, like I said earlier, Waffle House is open 24-7, 24/7 365. 365, 366 this year because uh-huh. of the leap, <laughs> leap year. year. But uh, we, were, we had to learn how to become good at closing a store at night mm-hmm. and reopening in the morning. That's just not something we do. Uh, we had to get good at only working a store one shift or two shifts and all these to go orders and, and then and yeah, <laughs> and and we had been doing to go but, right, but now but, all. but not all to go so uh-huh. that was a huge pivot and then we went into something that we said we'd never do we did delivery hmm. with Postmates yeah. uh, and we're working with some other partners potentially to do to expand that um, there it's just things that we never thought we would do mm-hmm. we're doing to. we had to do to stay alive and our customer base you know, let alone our associates, who threw it all worked Amazing. with a smile on their face and still did what we're good at, which is give great customer service, a great customer experience, and customers could come in, even though they were picking up to go, and they, still feel at they home. could still feel at home. Mm-hmm. They could see their food being cooked, for crying out loud. They could see the people who were cooking their food and who were cleaning in the restaurant and sanitizing and doing all. They can see all of that. Uh, and that's what makes us very unique. We have nothing to hide. Nope. So when it came to having to, to hide it. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've seen when it, it all. Yes, right. When it came to having to up our game in terms of trying to help be a part of the solution in COVID nineteen times, mm-hmm. rather than being a problem, meaning increased sanitization and all the things that we took off the tables. I mean, there's so many things that we did to try and make sure that we had a safe, safe. workplace mm-hmm. and a safe dining environment for our customers. And you know, the customers came through. They supported us. Uh, in ways that we didn't think was going to happen. At some places, unfortunately, we did have to close some stores temporarily because the customer traffic wasn't there. Mm -hmm. Um, And we tried to make sure that maybe the the few stragglers who were going there would move over to one of the closer. Because, you know, a lot of times there are lots of Waffle Houses Mm -hmm. in one place. Mm Uh, we had definitely have a significant presence in Georgia mm-hmm. and some of our other states. Yes. Uh, yes. And that's, that's one of the unique things that people, if, if their store got closed, they could get work at another oh, store. Right. Yeah. And we tried our darndest to make sure that we had ours. Uh, but it was all determined by customers. Mm-hmm. And at first they were a little shy, and, and understandably shifting, so, yeah. because nobody knew this new illness. Nobody knew anything about it. Um, But we took our time and spent a lot of time coming up with a plan for the day that when we reopened dining rooms that we would be ready. Mm -hmm. And we followed closely the CDC and other health professionals, looked at what would work, what what wouldn't work in our unique space, because you know, Waffle Houses usually are kind of like a little Mm shoebox of a restaurant. They have limited seating, which is great, so when we got to reopen dining on a limited basis.
1: It was, it, intimate it was very dining uh, setting. Yeah,
0: but it already was. <laughs> yeah. The neat thing about it is that there was nobody in the restaurant. So when people came in, they had that extra sense of, so well, there's, so- this, this is okay. Mm-hmm. you know, Versus going to some of the grocery stores or some of those places where there were huge crowds. Mm-hmm. And we're able to control the crowd, the, the, the number of people uh, that are allowed yeah. in and that kind of thing. So it has been a really rewarding experience. It, has, it was going on the way down down to 750 stores closed Mm. down to you know 30 percent in sales was all we were recognizing Mm. Um, and having to furlough people for the first time ever ever in waffle house history and closing stores you know code red code red waffle house index we just didn't know what to expect but we kept trudging ahead and our senior management again that that servant leadership they were right there They were right there doing the same things that our hourly associates and unit managers were doing. Walt was out there flying around, Mm -hmm. you know, working with with the senior management, trying to figure out bringing that information back to the office. And we all, you know, trying to coordinate, make decisions, pull different levers to make sure that we still had a waffle home for people to to come back to Mm -hmm. when this kind of leveled out a little bit. Um, uh, there's a lot to be said for the lot. leadership
1: that, that you mentioned, I can tell. Uh, just the fact that you you mentioned Walt mm-hmm. uh, is willing to go and on the ground to each location. The fact that he's there in his presence, he's
0: seen by the teams and possibly the customers. That's just so... Um, oh, yeah. The customers see him because he actually was delivering food curbside. He was ringing up food in the register. He actually got on the grill a few times. I mean... He, He did exactly what our senior management in the restaurants, our executive vice presidents and our senior vice presidents and our area vice presidents, what they do every day.
1: Roll up your sleeves. That's
0: right. Well, you heard it. There's a wonderful
1: culture at Waffle House and lots of career opportunities. If anybody out there is interested in learning more, where could they
0: go And Jerry? They can go to (laughs) whcareers.com. We are hiring, and we're looking for that bright spark. We're looking for folks who want to work. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is not uh, you know a sit-down kind of job. You're on your feet the whole time, but it is very, very rewarding. rewarding. Mm-hmm. The people you get to know and inspire to move on to greater and bigger things. Getting hourly associates who decide that they want to get into management, helping them do that. You have managers who want to move up the the the. Um, The scale and 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 take on more responsibility and more restaurants and mentoring them and all of that and even on the corporate side Mm -hmm. uh, there from time to time we have openings at the corporate office as well which Uh, is just in Norcross folks which is just in Norcross Uh that's right so it's 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 been a a really interesting thing for me but like I said I asked God at the time Mm -hmm. while I was in Sault Ste. Marie Michigan to release me from that work and he did Mm -hmm. I didn't think I was going to be released from all work for as long as I was, but just a little. That, that decision to become a server, how that turned into being you know in the restaurants, being on the front line for at least three and a half years, moving up a level uh, and managing more than one restaurant, gave me, I think, a great um, foundation for the job that I'm doing today. And actually, I moved to the corporate office to be in the training department. And I was doing special projects Uh and, um, you know, working with the Waffle House brand and taking it to the schools where we were engaged uh, with uh, junior achievement, that kind of thing. There were lots of things working on because we have very significant training that Mm -hmm. we do manuals and all kinds of things that we create to make sure that our, our people are comfortable as well as confident in the job that they're doing.
1: Setting them up for success.
0: That's right. And then not even what? two three months later the position of director of public relations came open and i wasn't here we go again Mm -hmm. i wasn't going to apply (laughs) because i just got that's okay you're already on their radar (laughs) i'm sure right well then that was kind of how it happens Mm -hmm. like i are you know did you consider applying so i did apply and here i am and one of the unique things about the job that i get to do is to be able to share the story of waffle house be able to share our culture the Mm -hmm. fact that we've been inclusive for a long time um, that we have people from all walks of life at all the different levels in our company. Now, once you get up to executive vice president, there's still work that we need to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're working on that. We have an inclusion council. Uh, we are looking at that constantly, just trying to make sure that, you know, in our hiring practices, in our retention and training practices, what do we need to do to have keep people- Keep talent. Yeah. yeah, keep good talent and, and have people recognize at Waffle House, you know, you're baking a cake. Mm-hmm. It takes, it takes some, some time. time. Mm-hmm. If you rush the cake, it falls in. I
1: was going to say it falls.
0: <laughs> That's right. Uh-huh. And so if you rust, rush the process and don't trust the process, thinking I should be at this level now, you know, now yeah. I need to have it now. And a lot of people, they have difficulty with that, delaying that self-gratification. And it makes it hard for them to see the bigger picture at Waffle House. Mm-hmm. So it's the seeds that we plant now 20 years from now 10 15 years from now they're going to be the new leaders for our company and so you know we've had some who didn't make it or who chose to do other things and Mm -hmm. so looking at our our ranks at the executive vice president level people would say well wait a minute you know there's not a whole lot of inclusivity there yeah not yet Mm -hmm. but it's coming
1: it's almost like an investment on both of your parts you're investing in the individual um Setting them up for success, preparing them for a larger role, and they're investing with the commitment to Waffle House and the time that it takes to achieve that um, for a partnership that
0: you guys can both grow and succeed. That's right. That's right. We're there every step of the way. And like I said, the training program for managers is somewhere between nine to 12 weeks. That's a lot of training, mm-hmm. and it's on the That's job. Kind of training quickly, though. If yes. you think about
1: any certification or anything That's like right. that
0: that someone would try to obtain, twelve weeks is is digestible. I'm thinking yeah. in my mind. Twelve weeks. Well, yeah, yeah. It, and because it's on the job training. So you're there doing the job of a manager. You're learning how to do that. You're learning how to cook. You're learning how to balance the business side of it. You know the the back room part. Mm-hmm. You're learning all of these things and how to be successful. And then once you're ready then we send you to woo mm-hmm. um, although now with COVID, we're having to change kind Is of that how we do waffles university, university. Woo. <laughs> that woo that's right um so we're going digital fully digital it looks like with that opportunity mm-hmm. just to make sure that uh, that they have all of not just the tools but also the soft skills that you need being able to have those crucial conversations mm-hmm. when things aren't kind of going the way they should with a team member right. being able to inspire to coach what does servant leadership really look like like? you know it's not i'm at home in the bed at one o'clock in the morning and you run out of what waffle batter because what i forgot (sighs) to to put it no not order but i forgot to put it out for you to put it away to be able to have it overnight so guess what happens gotta get get that that's right gotta get up and you learn not to make that mistake again mm-hmm. let you me know tell what you that call. <laughs> that's right that's right that's so awesome. i mean there's so many lessons that you learn and so i've taken all of those and i believe in terms of now being able to promote the brand being able to share our story who we are yeah. you know our our inclusivity plan that we've had all along what that looks like and how we're living it every day that is just a tremendous uh, opportunity and i'm just excited to be able to do that and also, I, I'm, you know, going to share as a woman of color, mm-hmm. uh, doing this job. Uh, it's just, it's a, it's an amazing thing. And we're in a really difficult time right now. There's so many uh, issues that are going around, uh, so many things that need to be changed. And we're committed to being a part of that change. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm just excited to be at the helm, if you would, mm-hmm. to be able to help direct some of that thing, yeah. some of that um, decision making that we make. And bringing on board people and and just sharing that story so people would say, hey, you know, I never thought about a career with Waffle House. Until now. Until now.
1: I'll tell you, you represent the, the brand very well. Thank um, you. I mean, you're so poised and so well-spoken. I will say most people probably don't have an understanding of the depth of the programs that you guys offer or even the possibilities that you mentioned. Um, people probably go and they enjoy being one of the faces that are recognized in That's Waffle right. House, mm-hmm. but they never think really beyond their server or maybe even just a manager, a store manager. Mm-hmm. But the fact that there are so many different layers with so much potential and so many dedicated individuals like yourself that are on the team um, fighting for the success of Waffle House is remarkable. I've learned so much. And, Jerry, thank yeah. you for sharing. You're
0: very welcome. Thank you for allowing me to do so. I'm not um,
1: I'm not quite finished Uh-oh. interrogating you yet. <laughs> but I do have w- a quick word from our sponsor before we shift gears, and then we'll wrap things up, if sure. you don't mind. No, go ahead. All right, so another one of our um, – fantastic sponsors here for celebrating powerhouse women is mccarthy buildings company it is a community-based general contractor specializing in healthcare, education aviation and commercial construction projects they are committed to helping their clients achieve their short and long-term strategic goals the mccarthy partnership for women believes that diverse perspectives drive better outcomes and that is why they're thrilled to support this series And I'm drinking out of my McCarthy cup today. Yes, you are. You're doing that. (laughs) Thank you. I wanted to just talk to you really quickly about some podcasts because you and I were chatting before the show and you mentioned, because I'm noticing all these parallels from when we chatted before and now, you were mentioning some of the reporting that you did or some of um, the journalism and that you had to cover some tragedies or some criminal cases. I think that's why you're so intrigued by crime podcasts
0: these days. You know, that's probably Lo has a lot to do with it. Yes, I am a huge fan of old-time radio. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I, I wasn't alive during that time, but I've been told many stories about it. And the unique thing about these podcasts is that they re, they bring them back to life, you know, digitally remastered or what have you, and they share them with a whole new audience. And so it's like that time when the family would gather around the radio and listen each week to find out what was going to happen, you know, next. And so the detective stories are kind of my soft spot. I love Johnny Dollar. I love listening to suspense, um, the shadow people are like what is she talking about I'm gonna have to look it up but they are yeah they're 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 unique and you know at growing up I used to I was an avid reader I was the one who would go to the library check out 10 books you know you had them for 14 days and they'd all be they'd all be completed and go check out another 10 books I loved reading
1: did you read more than one
0: at a time or did you complete each one before starting another I would complete each one so you know I would I'm. I'm gonna tell on myself, Mom. I would stay up at night. <laughs> sometimes. I don't think she would have a problem with a little, with reading at night. Well, with a, I was supposed to be asleep. but a you know, flashlight with, or nightlight. Flash, yeah, that's right. That's right. Trying to trying to read. I mean, and and I would get so connected because the thing about books, and the reason why I still love them so much, is that they take you to different places. You know, not everybody is going to be blessed to be able to travel to some of these unique places yeah. in the world or have these unique experiences. Everybody's journey is different. Mm-hmm. But the thing about a book is you can jump into that book and you can get into that. You can escape mm-hmm. and get into that story. You can create what the characters look like in your mind. Um, you know, none of this pre-made up, you know, stuff. stuff. Yeah. And and you go places in your mind that you never would have gone if you hadn't opened that book. Before. And at the time, I loved the detective stories. So I read a lot of them. Dick Francis was one of my favorite because I loved horses. And I one of my other dreams as a young person was that I wanted to be a jockey.
1: I was going to say. And a- not just
0: any jockey. I wanted to be a steeplechaser. So those are the folks who jump the really high jumps all wow. the way through. the entire. But see, I... I I'm 5'7". Is that too tall for a jockey? too (laughs) tall. I was too tall. So I would live vicariously through Dick Francis's Uh books and Sid Halley and some of the detectives that they had. And then the dream changed from that to, well, maybe I'll have my own horse. Well, it wasn't until college that I was able to actually take horseback riding lessons and I did I took it for PE go figure yeah Yeah. equestrian riding and I loved it and I had dreams that I would have this this um, you know stallion who was just you know pure blood beautiful be a racehorse and you know there's 16 letters at least at the time I don't know that it's changed but you only had 16 letters to name your horse. horse wow and I was going to call mine Golden Pajamas.
1: Oh my goodness. That yeah. sounds like a
0: Kentucky Derby winner there. Let me tell you, I could see Ben Golden the pajamas, pajamas, you know. The
1: lead. Yeah.
0: I was so excited about that. None of that has ever happened. I did have some friends.
1: <laughs> well, anyway, it's not too late. You very well could be a jockey.
0: Well, you know, I'm I'm a little older now and a little wiser now, so, you know, jockeying, I But don't I can, we
1: lose height with age?
0: Yeah. You might but, be able to you may lose height with age, but you gain fear as you get older, uh, and that will let that one live in your dream. That's right. That <laughs> fall from a horse can be <laughs> can be a little tough. You
1: strike me as the type that would get back on the horse. Yeah, though. I would. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would.
0: Um, but you know, so that's there just. Is-
1: only be success so we we had your your days of being on the stage your days of of racing stallions and you've just been all over the world (laughs) and jerry you're a multi-dimensional woman i think that you do qualify for this title here of powerhouse well thank you of course or trailblazer i like both of those terms yeah
0: i mean it just the thing is people need to rather than looking at what you don't have which as kids sometimes we do that a lot Mm -hmm. Look at what you have and what you can make happen mm-hmm. and then look for people who are where you want to be like i mentioned i think several times during this talk is that there were lots of people along the way who helped me get to that next level who encouraged me who pushed me and then of course there were the naysayers who told me i would never be able to do this and of course i'm the kind of person that don't tell me, don't tell me no mm-hmm. because i'm going to prove you wrong and, and I'm going to work harder, and I'm going to be twice as good, and all of that. I mean, that's I'm an A personality, if you can't tell. <laughs> um, you know, so that that is something that I try to share. I try to share with my teams, mm-hmm. um, with young people that, that we would bring in to work at Waffle House. Uh, my son was one of them. Early on, he was a grill operator for us, mm-hmm. learned to cook, so I'm okay. He knows how to cook. Uh-huh. He can do more can than boil an egg, <laughs> yeah. you know, so he can survive. But. The thing is, you know, even with all of the unrest that is happening, you know, you've got to find a, a spot. Get in where you fit in. And there's lots of opportunities for people to make a difference. Whether it's small, everybody's not going to be on the big stage. I never made it to the big stage, but that stage at the University of Iowa was, was tremendous. Mm-hmm. Being home and coming queen and doing the things academically that I got to do and travel and all of that wonderful stuff. It never would have happened had I not said yes. And sometimes we have to say yes to opportunities that are extended to us, that make us a little nervous, that take us outside of our comfort, comfort. zone. Um, you know, I was flying back and forth from Cedar Rapids, Iowa, back to Atlanta, Hartsfield. It got to the point where my parents would say, "Just call us when you get your bags." Oh gosh! <laughs> and, and then you're they racking up the sky <laughs> miles, right, they They would just they would show up then at that time. So I mean. That's the the beauty of it. Never stop dreaming. Never stop imagining that you can do the things that people have told you you can't do. And figure out how to get there. Find someone who's already there and and, and interview them. Find out how they got there, what they do. You know, for me, every day, I try to center myself before I start work. I'm not ashamed to say that I read scripture. I try to make sure I do a devotional, and I, I try to make sure that I pray over my day and those around me. And then the next thing I do is jump right into my Google Alerts and look for all the times that Waffle House was mentioned in the news. Nice. And look at the stories Uh and and try to, you know, put them together so that people know what's going on, um, what may have transpired overnight. And, yeah, there are things that happen overnight. But I'm going to tell you, you know, one thing about the media, and and not to knock the media, because I was part of the media, is that there, there, there gets to a point where, you know, you, you got to live. The media has to survive. And so that takes money, and that takes viewership, and that takes readership, and that kind of thing. So sometimes the things that you hear about seem like they happen a lot, mm. right? The bad things. It's recirculated. Because it's recirculated, and, and they generally report about the bad things. to let you know about the bad things. And only recently, I think, um, more and more stations are trying to give you a little bit of that good news mm-hmm. before they go off the air but the thing about Waffle House is I, I'm going to go there. We're 24 hours. We're willing to do what other people are not you know, for the person who's, who's traveling along the road and, and eat, like me with yeah. my son who needs to pull over with, you know, three-year-old and, and change his diaper, get him something to eat or replenish a coffee cup or what have you, to the college student who needed a place to hang out. I was there too. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a Waffle House. Um, there was one of our competitors, but I was in Iowa. <laughs> so They're not a home, though. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're just not. a house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, But, you know, for there's so many things. And I like to say to people, you know, my grandmama told me, nothing good happens after midnight my mom used to say that and i say nothing good happens after midnight except at our house at the waffle house there you go there are people who are there they're giving up whatever opportunity they may have to sleep or whatever it is to be there to serve you Mm -hmm. and they look forward to doing it yeah yeah just like any company you might have a couple of bad apples. you know. Maybe we need to do some retraining. There's always room to improve. We don't claim to be perfect, but we do say that we're willing to do the work. Um, so I just remember that. And when, whenever I come across a negative story or something bad is happening, you know, there's a lot of, like I said, a lot of unrest right now. Mm-hmm. People are doing things I never would have thought. It's almost like we're in the wild, wild west again. Um, <laughs> You know, people are angry and, and, and frustrated and taking out their frustration on each other. And, you know, the bottom line is we can't do this without each other. Mm-hmm. We're stronger when we're united.
1: And it's just a lot better if we're a little bit
0: nicer. Yes. And the, yeah, the civility, mm-hmm. you know, definitely. And the thing is we, we train and coach our folks a lot. They get a lot of training. They get a lot of coaching. And, you know, they're going to make mistakes from time to time. And then there are some people who don't need to be working for us. And when we find out who they are, uh-huh. we get rid of them.
1: the wheat from the chaff.
0: That's right. That's right. Because, you know, I hold on to that. Nothing good happens after midnight except at our house.
1: I like it. And you know what? That It provides a wonderful atmosphere, safe, for the people who work those weird shifts. You know, I've yeah. worked, I remember working at a gym, and the first class started at 5 o'clock. So I was up at 4. Mm-hmm. I had to be there at 4.30. There's no other place you can go get a nice big honking cup of coffee and a piece of toast or a biscuit or something to take with you. Yes, I ate biscuits and I worked at a gym, um, <laughs> except for Waffle House. And it was wonderful. I go and get the large, you know, and it's pleasant, mm-hmm. like you said, even at an odd hour where other things might be happening elsewhere um, while you're out. It's, it's a wonderful, uh,
0: mm-hmm. a delightful relief. It is. And, you know, our biggest thing is, like I said, is our associates and our customers through this whole thing with COVID and all, we wanted to be there for our associates. They need to work, they want jobs, they wanna take care of their families, but they wanna make sure that it's gonna be safe. So we yeah. committed ourselves to making sure that that was going to happen, that we could deliver on that promise. And with our with our customers, the same thing, um, you know, it's a place where everybody knows your name. It's I not was a. Thinking in yeah, my head, I'm thinking of cheers. Yeah, out. I know. But I always think of that. But it is. Name. If you give us that opportunity, and maybe we don't get it right the first time, but we're willing to try again if you're willing to give us an opportunity to try. They'll learn you your know, name. That's yeah. right. And it's, it's always welcome, 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 welcome. Or morning, morning, morning. It's mm-hmm. always morning at Waffle House, mm-hmm. even if it's at night. Of course. Because you know. You can yeah. get breakfast any time of the Wahoo. day. Wahoo!
1: That's what me and my friends used to call it. We're going to Wahoo. Going to Wahoo. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm going to take a break really quickly, and Jerry, and we're mm-hmm. going to hear from one of our last sponsors, and then we're going to wrap it up. Sounds so great. Here's a message from Cat Rangers. Cat Rangers is saving lives of cats and kittens one paw at a time. They are the special forces of Cat Rescue, and all of their felines recover in their lovely, home-like center in Buford while they wait to find their forever homes. Cat Rangers is growing rapidly and is always seeking financial and volunteer support. Please contribute by visiting catrangers.org today. (laughs) We love our little furry friends at Cat Rangers. I saw you cracking up when you heard that little read. We had a lot
0: of fun doing that. Um, I know you have a dog. Are you a cat person? I um am. I am a cat person, but I'm married to a not-cat person, so we haven't had a cat. No I, worries. As a I kid, understand. I always wanted to have a cat, and my parents actually did get get two cats, one at a time. Uh-huh. Um, when I went away to college, they, they ended up doing that, so I got to spend time with the cats. cats. My son has adopted a kitten. You got to get a cat when you go to college. Yeah, he, you know, he's, and his brother, they both got from the same litter mm-hmm. they adopted these kittens who needed a home so they have sibling kitties and Sib- their siblings, siblings and too yeah <laughs> so that was kind of the thing so so he's responsible for another life mm-hmm. um, that's good it'll teach him some life yeah. skills but all of the all of the animals that we've had have all been rescues good. like i said even that the first i was telling you my mm-hmm. very first dog on my mm-hmm. own even though she kept cookie. came cookie mm-hmm. that's right she was a beagle even though she came from a pet store you saved her life i believed i did because you know she did she did have worms Mm -hmm. and you know they're they're treated terribly when they breed them like and she was a beagle so the Mm -hmm. one unique calling card of a beagle is that they have that really tall tail with the white tip Mm -hmm. well hers had been broken as a as a puppy and so what they did is they tried to cut the tail try no not at the not just a little Yeah, just Aww. the top tip. So she had she didn't have any of the white tip.
1: Bless well, her heart.
0: And then not only that, but they didn't cut it evenly, and so there was a piece of bone. I mean, it was just really amazing. Um, that so she, she stood survived. Out to you, yeah. She did. Ow. and um, we ended up having to have some surgery to, to correct that because it was painful for her. Mm-hmm. Apparently, I did not know mm-hmm. that at some of these puppy meals that they were clothespin dogs together, by their tail and that's how why her, that's how her tail broke i don't I,
1: even want to know i don't, don't want to know. know i Good don't want gosh. i don't i
0: don't know but <clears throat> well,
1: where i was going with that if you ever have the desire to to be amongst a feline but you don't want to own one you can go to cat rangers in beaufort and just sit it's a wonderful like home wow. that the cats live and you can just sit and, and pet and read and play or, but have no obligation of ownership i got gotcha. you so if you'd like to go swing by cat rangers sometime And Jerry, thank you so much for joining us today. I did want to just repeat um, really quickly something that you said about Waffle House so we can leave the audience with that. We are willing to do the work. That is something that you mentioned several times that we are willing to do the work at Waffle House, and you are an example of willing to do the work from top to bottom. Um, You lead your team with dignity and grace, and I'm sure that all of them are lucky to be um, surrounded by you, so... Cheers and, to you and your well, thank success. You. And Jerry, do you have any parting words for the audience before
0: we say bye-bye? Well, I would say just keep on dreaming. Don't look a gift horse in the mouth and never think that an opportunity that's coming your way may not be for you. It probably is. Step out on faith and take it. Oh, and come you. see us at the Waffle House. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. <clears throat> yeah. Thank you so much for
1: tuning in to um, Celebrating Powerhouse Women. We are live every Friday at 1130. You can listen to us at our home on the web at businessradiox.com and selecting the Gwinnett Studio. Our shows are available 24-7 online on iTunes, iHeartRadio. Where
0: do you listen to your um, podcasts, and jerry I listen to my podcasts in my car Mm -hmm. because I live about an hour away from the corporate office. Sounds so like a that good, good gives, ride. Yeah, it gives me a chance to be in a good mood. And and then going home, I don't have to worry thinking about traffic or anything like that. I just listen and enjoy.
1: Do you use uh, iTunes or iHeartRadio or some other? All of the above. All of the above. All right. I'm an iTunes gal myself. I've here recently started fiddling on Spotify. But you can find them on all the major platforms. Guys, stay connected with us on social media at Gwinnett Radio X, And please, if you're a first-time listener, we'd love to have you back. Hit that subscribe button right there, and I'd love a review as well. And Until next time, thank you for joining us on Celebrating Powerhouse Women. I am Amanda Peerch on Business Radio X.